dear young athlete, uh, buy in, buy in for your teammates. Um, because that's how you're going to get out what you want. Everything's bigger than you. Um, and, and life's too short to have one foot in and one foot out or one and a half foot in and a half a foot out in anything we do. What's up, people? Welcome to the Dear Young Athlete Podcast, where we hear from coaches and athletes about their journeys and what advice they would give to a younger version of themselves. I'm your host, Jacob Thompson. You can call me JT. If you want to hear my story, it'll be in episode number one. But enough about me, because today... I'm joined by a very special guest. This man is a husband. He's a father. He's a former collegiate baseball player, conference champion, all-conference. He's won some awards, which we'll get into later. He is a head coach of maybe the best baseball program in the state of Minnesota, and a multiple state champion coach. Above all that, he's a man of God. He's somebody that I personally known and looked up to for around 15 years, and it's a great honor to speak with him here. So without further ado, Nick Anderson, what's up? How's it going? Good to see you. Yes, yes. Well, Let's jump into it. You've obviously had um, an awesome athletic career that's still going with coaching, but where did it all start for you? How'd you how'd you fall in love with sports? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I think um, I'm I'm one of four brothers, uh, oldest sister, four boys. Uh, I'm the second to youngest, and uh, sports has been something we've just always done. You know, I, I think back, uh, uh, to growing up with my brothers and they did it. So I did it. Um, that that's really where it began. So from, from as, uh, young as I can remember playing sports was what we did. That's what we did for fun. Um, when we weren't fighting, uh, or, or, or wrestling, uh, with each other, somehow getting in trouble. So, um, I, I now have, a a little, let's see, I have a boy and a girl, uh, boy is 19 months old. And, um, it's kind of funny just, uh, seeing where he gravitates to, um, which for him is, you know, it was ball, 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 um, which was, um, not premeditated. It's just funny. I think, uh, kids start to go one direction or another. And I imagine that's how it happened for our older siblings. And all of a sudden, you know, we're just following in their footsteps. So, um, for as long as I can remember, sports has been what brings structure to my day um, all the way through. So, yeah, I'm adamant. I remember being at your house growing up, even you guys had like a little volleyball net in the back and uh, knee hockey in the basement, yep. the weight room. You know, we were constantly that's that's what we all did for fun. Um, yeah. Great memories. So, so it became more serious for you at some point, uh, baseball, football, basketball, mm-hmm. and take us through just what it was like. I mean, you were a, a football and a baseball captain in mm-hmm. high school mm-hmm. and played on some really good teams. So talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, before I do, I'll, I'll just piggyback on, uh, your comments. Cause it, cause again, I, I, uh, all of a sudden start thinking through, yeah, being a little guy and maybe before it got super serious or more serious or felt more serious maybe. Um, and like you said, uh, if it was winter, you know, you had snow football, you had the basement, you had the knee hockey, um, the minute it get nice out, like this time of year, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing the snow off the basketball court, hands are muddy, you know, playing mini basketball. Um, our neighbors had a big open field with a tennis court behind it. So, 
we'd set up uh, tennis ball, baseball. And again, I think something that's fun for me as a younger brother was uh, our house was sort of the commotion house where, yeah. And, and it always revolved around sports, um, which, which we'll get into, you know, that's awesome. Uh, also the challenges that that kind of poses around what sports then becomes um, or could become. But um, yeah, for, for me, I think all of a sudden I took things real serious uh, all the time. I, I had a, uh, a problem. Uh, I'd, I'd say <laughs> you asked my friends or my family, I had a problem. Uh, competing was something that I just, I loved, uh, but there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of innocence to it. It was very, you know, we're playing, we're playing. Didn't matter if we're wearing jerseys or, or um, on a formalized team, which um, probably kind of modeled the way that things went for me. But a lot of the times I was the guy who was starting the fight. Um, so <laughs> it, maybe people started to get serious a little bit more in middle school and high school and, you know, and beyond. For me, I think probably being a little brother that's just trying to keep up. Um, it was always something that I you know, took pride in it, it hurt when it didn't go well and boy, did it feel good when it did. And I just, you know, loved competing. So, um, that being said, I, I certainly, when we got into high school, um, and especially older brothers start pumping iron, you start to focus a little bit more it, it on, uh, mastering your craft. For me, I got to watch it get serious for them where, you know, you're really competing at the highest level at the given time. Um, and so, you know, I think I had my eyes set on the prize. Uh, I was undersized, slow, uh, a relatively unathletic athlete. Um, it, you know, I think uh, I had a little bit more of the grinder mentality than, than maybe um, being as gifted as my other friends, partially just because I was a little guy. Um, but you know, I think uh, modeled for me by by other people was here. Here's what it's going to take to be great. Um, so coming into high school, I think uh, I, I probably pride myself in working harder because that was just what I had to do to uh, sort of keep up and, and hopefully chase the the opportunity to play varsity or be a college athlete or, or you know, go on and uh, play for the Twins, which never happened. So pausing there, I want to say something that sticks out about you to me, because I know you personally. Um, yeah, you weren't the most quick, the most weight room strength. Um, there were guys that we knew that walked in the weight room and they were freaks and mm -hmm. they put up huge numbers. Um but the thing that I know about you is that A, you, like you mentioned, you work hard, you have consistent work ethic, and B, you've stuck with that. You developed a work ethic because that's what you needed. And now the funny thing is you probably could bench more than <laughs> some of those guys uh. in high school that – were beasts just naturally. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important because I've, I've known and seen people that had so much natural talent. Mm -hmm. They never developed work ethic, coachability, mm -hmm. weight room, consistency. Mm -hmm. And that stuff, we'll, we'll get into this more, but that carries with you in life. Mm -hmm. beyond sports into everything mm -hmm. you do so you're in high school um captain football baseball mm -hmm. and you know you have success in both what what moved the needle for you more towards baseball mm -hmm. um opportunity probably for me I love, I'm a baseball coach. Uh, I hate to say it, but baseball is not my favorite sport. Um, I tell my guys that I'm, I have no problem, you know, saying that I love, I love sports. Uh, it's not my favorite sport. Now the things that 
the, the actual physical sport itself. Now the things that come of it um, are what I love most about baseball. And we can get into that a little bit more, but um, I, I liked football more, you know, I, I would say that was for me. Um, you can will yourself one football has this, uh, if you're not big and fast and strong there, it, it, it's, there's not a place for you necessarily. You, you got to get to a certain point, but from there, uh, you can, because it's a physical game and you can physically push yourself to a limit that a lot of people don't know how to tap into. Um, that's what I loved about football was there is this variable between someone and their ceiling. And if you knew how to close that out, um, physically by pushing yourself, uh, you could find a spot on a field as a guy who probably just doesn't have any business being there in baseball. It's, it's true as well. Um, but it's, it, it actually then takes more of a cerebral turn than the physical side of things. Um, uh, so all that to be said, I, I actually liked football more now being a five, nine, uh, on a good day quarterback that could throw the ball 25 yards, um, with getting all my weight into it. Uh, college was less likely an opportunity. And I think I continued to progress more on the baseball front and, and probably the upside and opportunity was there. Now, that being said, I went to college. I, I wrestled with playing both. Uh, I actually had decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to play both. I'm going to go to Bethel. Um, I, I landed there, not necessarily because of the sport that I was going to play. I, I chose the institution first. Uh, this is where I wanted to land. Then the sport was complimentary. I wasn't, you know, um, that was just how things fell. I, I, I wasn't necessarily trying to push my limit to go to the best division two or division one. Granted, I couldn't have, uh, maybe it would have been different if I could have, but, um, I didn't go on a big search party. I knew I wanted to go to Bethel and I knew I wanted to play baseball and or football if I could. So I went in going, Hey, I want to play both. Um, that unfolded. Uh, ultimately, I didn't get the opportunity to play football. Typically, um, you you can um, you can if you'd like to. I didn't get that option. Um, it, it was uh, the cards were dealt to me a little bit like, hey, um, go play baseball. Uh, that's where you're needed most. You're going to be a high impact person over there. Um, football. We got a big class coming in X, Y, Z, uh, go play baseball. So actually that decision was made for me, which was unique. It, it was something that I didn't land on. Then God absolutely blessed it. But, uh, I wrestled all summer and, you know, two weeks before football season, I, I thought I was going to go be a, a football and baseball player. So, um, kind of interesting, because I never actually made that choice, which um, happens to athletes. Sometimes it just it just ends not by your choice or you don't make the team or whatever it is. And and that was actually probably the first time in my life I was um, I maybe didn't make the top team or I didn't, um, you know, granted, did have I been the best player? No, but I I somehow kind of landed making the teams I wanted to make um, most of my life. And this was the first time where I hit that roadblock where it was like, wait a second, I've typically been able to find a way. Um, what do you mean I can't? So, um, you know, that certainly was an interesting time. Now, four years later, wouldn't have done it any different. Um, it, it played itself out perfectly. You know, again, I think, uh, God takes things and he's just working in them. Um, maybe, you know, uh, but that doesn't always uh, make sense on the front end. So I landed being told, hey, you're baseball, and that's what you're doing in college. There's a couple of good points there. Sometimes things, they don't work out. They don't go as you planned. That's in sports. That's mm -hmm. in life, too. And when you're mm -hmm. in the midst of it, it can be really hard. It can be really challenging. 
but when we, we, you, you know, you persevere, you keep going, you didn't say, Oh, I can't play football. And, and through a pity party, you made the most of mm-hmm. what you could do. And now you look back and say, you know, yes, that was the right thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing in reality, you know, you probably could have sought out some D2 baseball opportunities, mm-hmm. maybe walked on at a, mm-hmm. a smaller D1. Um, why Bethel? Yeah, uh, good question. I, I remember how I said I got five siblings or there's five of us. Uh, five of five landed at Bethel. So I was the fourth. Uh, and we grew up um, a half a mile from Bethel. So, you know, for anybody who's familiar, Moundsview High School, Moundsview District, Bethel is in the Moundsview District. So my, my college split the difference from my house to my, my high school. So, um, you know, everybody gave me and some of my buddies a hard time, you included, for sticking around. Now, that being said, the reason I landed at Bethel is faith has been foundational to my family and the way I've been raised um, since day one. My faith, uh, you know, took a turn where I'd say all of a sudden it became my own later on. But those uh, that moral compass, that foundation was, was laid in me by people around me, uh, my whole life. So then fast forward and I'm kind of getting to that point, like I said, end of middle school, starting high school, um, taking things a little bit more seriously, uh, maybe. Uh, and, and what I got to see was my siblings at school at Bethel, because they're close, I was able to see relationships Um, to know them, to know their friends, uh, and continue to watch them do life. And maybe it's because it's your older sibling, or maybe it's because they had great relationships. They were great people, great role models that I landed going, I want to be like them. You know, whatever they have, uh, I I want that. Um, So for me, I think I saw the fruits of... uh, going to a university uh, and it's not, it's not, there's no right or wrong, but for me, I saw what it yielded um, and went, that looks good to me. Um, You know, I'm interested in that. And I didn't have anything I was running away from at home. Again, I I have, fortunately, I have a a family that's tight, um, that's around the area that um, a, a community that I loved in high school, uh, a, a youth community that I loved being raised up by. So for me, I chose a- actually being close to home was kind of a beneficial thing. And again, there's no right or wrong, but I went, Hey, my faith is my foundation, though. I had maybe not necessarily made it my own. Um, but I knew in my head, and in my heart that that was what I wanted. So landing at a university where faith comes first um, was something that I chose uh, ahead of maybe pursuing a better baseball opportunity or, or maybe an opportunity to grow more. Now, I probably also would have went to a school and been the last guy on the roster. Um, I'm fortunate enough to go, hey, I, I went to Bethel and I actually got opportunities all four years to play, um, which again, I'd say that was more of a side note blessing than a thing I thought about on the front end. I had just decided I, I want to go to a Christian university. This one looks good. Uh, let's do it. So I had started to fill out a few applications elsewhere. Um, you know, take a few phone calls from coaches, but then hang up and it's like, you know, no, I'll be, that's okay. I want to go to Bethel. Um, so it was maybe premeditated. Um, but again, I think it's a symptom of what I had seen come from people who had landed there. Yeah, that's big too, because as an athlete, especially when you're really serious about it, it could Mm -hmm. seem like 
you make every decision based upon your sport. And Mm -hmm. to hear you say, I mean, somebody put it to me once and said that when they were looking, a coach Mm -hmm. asked them, hey, if you got injured and Mm -hmm. you couldn't play anymore, where do Mm -hmm. you want to be? Having that realization that your sport most likely will come to an end, Mm -hmm. um, even if you play professionally, eventually it ends, but your life still is going. So making decisions outside of just your sport, I think, is a big deal. It's it's important, and it's Mm -hmm. something – hard to wrap your mind around when Mm -hmm. you're young Mm -hmm. but it's cool to hear um you know what you saw your family Mm -hmm. your community um allowed you to make that decision and funny story i was on the fence with bethel Mm -hmm. i did it overnight and i stayed with you Mm -hmm. we played racquetball drank smoothies just mm-hmm. had a good time and that i think was what got me over the hump to land at bethel mm-hmm. so yeah that's good go i got ahead. one I, I got one more thought and um again i think it's it's important i didn't my and i think i was fortunate enough to have people speaking into me to remind me of what you're talking about that it's not your sport isn't the end all be all. Now that's really hard to realize. And as a coach, it's, it's one of the hardest things to instill in somebody, not that you don't want to chase the dream. And, and that's my point is I have, I mean, I had absolute aspirations. Um, as I said, like I, there is, uh, I am as competitive as they come, um, is a problem. Um, but I had, absolute aspirations to, to, to be the best, uh, that I possibly could to be on the team. That was the best in whatever division it was or whatever conference or whatever it was. So, um, it's not that I didn't desire those things. I think, again, I had people reminding me of those items. And, um, so for me, you know, I can resonate with, kind of the temptation to feel like uh, my sport is the end all be all. It, it's all I did. Like that was, again, it built my schedule um, school or family or this or that didn't the, the non-negotiables was sports in my life, um, which again uh, was, was cool in some ways and not cool in some ways, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't want anybody thinking, Hey, I landed there just cause it was like sports was secondary. Cause it certainly was not. Um, and that's where I feel fortunate to have sort of made a decision where it seemed like sports was secondary to, um, because that's not how my life was, um, uh, which was again, I think God intervening and going, Hey, people have been filling your head with the right things, even though you maybe don't know it, you're going to, we're going to have you make some decisions based on that because, uh, that's why community matters. Cause, uh, um, it's more influential than we think. So you get into college, you land at Bethel, you're playing baseball. Um, turns out you guys win a conference championship. You're a mm-hmm. two-year captain. Mm-hmm. And you, Nick won't say this without me saying it. You won the MIAC 22 award, awarded to one male and one female in the whole conference. Each year, sort of the most outstanding student athlete. So, I mean, take us through, you know, that journey. Is that is that the mountaintop of your athletic career or what? Um, I would say yes. Um, I think of my athletic career sort of uh, basketball was shorter. Football high school football carried something special. Um, and we had a a very good team my senior year and, uh, we made it to the state semifinals furthest we'd have ever made really special team. 
And so that carries something in going like it didn't get any better than that in, in high school football. Uh, there's just something about it now from a baseball standpoint. Absolutely. I think um, me as a player, I, I continued to progress and I landed under some pretty uh, amazing coaches that saw the right things in me, were able to pull them out and on some special teams where I think I was able to just thrive and progress and be a, a part of something bigger than myself. So, so we made it um, at Bethel my first year. Uh, we made the playoffs for the first time in Bethel history. Second year, we won a playoff game for the first time in Bethel history. Um, I think my junior year, uh, let's see, we had won. We had made it to the conference championship for the first time. And then my senior year, we won the conference for the first time ever. So it was certainly a, uh, it was like one, two, three, four, climb, 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 as far as what our team produced. Um, so that was a really fun thing. I think, again, as an athlete, I continued to progress. And um, when I got to Bethel, um, as I reminded you before, I wasn't um, not the best. Um, so my role, I made the Florida trip, the spring break trip. Um, I was told uh, you're going to be the backup JV shortstop. That was my role, um, which great, not what I have wanted, uh, but I'll take what I can get. Uh, we got 10 games down in Florida. Halfway through, guys start baseball's a, you know, a game of failure. Some guys start failing, and our coach was a guy who was very quick to go next man up. You know, he, he's looking for the guy that uh, can find a way you know, actually that was kind of our team model. He, he doesn't care if you're biggest, fastest, strongest. He's looking for the guy that can get it done. Um, so a guy fails uh, or a guy doesn't show up with the right attitude or whatever it is, he's calling on the next guy, next guy. So that starts happening in the middle of our trip um, as we're winning some games, losing some games. Um, you know, I play in our first JV game, which you didn't play very many and had a good game, you know, make a dive and catch, get a hit. Um, then all of a sudden our ninth varsity game, uh, second to last one, he gets really, uh, pissed off at, uh, one guy puts in another guy. He comes in and does the exact same thing. And he's looking at the bench. He's like, Nick, go, you're in. So I go in, um, I can't even remember what the score of the game is. We're probably getting blown out first at bat, boom, base hit, um, maybe make a play in the field. Uh, game ends. Great. Good job. Go to sleep, wake up the next day. Boom. You're in the lineup starting varsity. You know, my, my first opportunity, um, first at back, get down a sacrifice, bunt. um, make all my plays in the field. You know, I don't even know. And then the rest was history. I started for four years, uh, and, and never came out. Now, um, I share that not because, um, not because, I was super good. You can go look at my stats. I wasn't that good. Um, but for me, again, I got told this is my spot. Great. Accept it. And then push forward. But, um, you know, that was really the story of my college career, which I think wasn't because I was the best. It's because uh, I believed I believed I could get it done. I believed in myself. Um, and, you know, good things come of that. Um, regardless of how big, fast, strong you are. Right. So, um, I really enjoyed my Bethel time much more than what me getting to play was the community guys that I got to be on a team with. We were very good. Um, again, I mean, we were the best team in our conference, uh, arguably by the end of the, the, the run doing things that Bethel's never done. Um, were we the most talented team? No, we weren't. Uh, so that was what was special. That would be the story of my, my pinnacle uh, sports career as a football player and as a baseball player was, was being a part of teams where um, on paper we weren't the best, but somehow you hated to play us. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, long story short, um, certainly that Bethel ride was an enjoyable one. And, and about my junior year, um, my coach at Bethel uh, had told me, 
Hey, like when you're done, I, I want you to come back. Um, you know, I, I want you to come coach. Um, Cause again, I think he saw something in me. Uh, he had seen that why I was able to maybe succeed beyond uh, physically what I looked like I could do was because I, I was thinking like him. Um, and in that moment and, and thinking forward, I, I would think back and go, I was sort of told by um, my coaches, you're going to be a coach someday since the since I was in third grade. Um, and again, is probably where my best success came from was um, being able to understand what they were trying to get across and then sort of be the advocate within the players to, to get the guys to understand and um, again, buy into what we're doing because that's just not always the case. Um, so I think though, maybe physically, I didn't have the gifts. Um, I had an understanding for what a coach is trying to do, um, a little bit more of the strategic side of things. And so from a young age, that's kind of told to you, told to you, told to you. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm playing all the way through. And I think I always knew I was going to be a coach. Um, it was something that was sort of spoken into me and uh, something where my dream maybe shifted to, I don't want to play for the twins. I want to coach the twins, um, you know, uh, cause that was probably a little bit more, more feasible. So um, once I got done with school, boom, I was right into coaching at Bethel, um, which uh, again was a super fortunate opportunity to, to finish college and turn around and be a collegiate coach um, the very next year. Yeah. A couple of things you said that I think are so important you were essentially at the bottom of the depth chart. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not where you want to be. Don't tell me that, JT. <laughs> you can you can get you can be discouraged. You can even get attitude or think like I'm better than this. I deserve more than this. Mm-hmm. But what you chose to do was just stay ready stay ready for your opportunity and then it came mm-hmm. and you were ready and you made the most of it um i don't want to give a sermon here but in the story of david and goliath people know that david is this teenager that killed the giant goliath mm-hmm. what they don't know is david put in so many hours behind the scenes and he had fought lions and bears. Mm-hmm. And when the big moment came, he was ready for it. And I think of you talking about being a kid. Mm-hmm. It's not just your games, your practices. You put in so many hours just playing because mm-hmm. you love you love doing that. And then when your moment came, you know, you were ready. Mm-hmm. And I tell young people too, like how you act when you're a teenager mm-hmm. is so important. Like the fact that you took on the attitude that you did take on as mm-hmm. a baseball player led your coach to give you your first coaching job. Mm-hmm. And I tell young people like, like for me, it's the same. My first coaching job came um, at Mountain View High School because my football coach saw my attitude and my effort as mm-hmm. a high schooler. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, like, you never know what teacher, what coach, what uh, youth pastor is going to be the one that is going to write you a recommendation or give mm-hmm. you that first job. So Mm -hmm. how you treat people in this whole process, whether you're a player, a coach, is so important because you don't know what doors it could open up for you down the Mm -hmm. road. Mm -hmm. Not to go on too much of a tangent because I I won't. uh, uh, My my fellow coaches would tell you that that's a lie every time I lead with that uh, because I like to talk. But – 
what I do in my day job, which we don't need to talk about, but, but I'm in sales. I work for a medical device company. Um, I got the opportunity I have because, uh, a guy that I co a parent of a kid on my team that I coached, watched the way that I coached, uh, for two or three consecutive summers. Um, he was the one that opened the door to the job that I now have and, and absolutely love uh, because of the way that I coached um, led to my day job um, door being opened up and really extended to me. Uh, I didn't really interview. Um, my interview or my audition was somebody simply observing me in my every single day. So to your point, um, that never stops. Uh, at least I feel like I'm living proof of that. Um, and I see it all over the place is, is people pay attention. Um, coaches pay attention to you as players. Um, people, you know, neighbors pay attention to you and your family. Um, and you never know what things are going to lead to, which is, uh, again, why we take ownership for our actions and continue try continually try to refine who we are and the way we are. Uh, Cause certainly there's times when people see us and they would want nothing to do with us. Um, so um, we are, we are what we are, which is what everybody sees every single day, um, which often leads to the next things, to the next thing, to the next thing. So um, that was a funny little, uh, again, tangent that it continues to happen to me and I'm not an athlete. Um, but somehow the sports field is continually shaping what happens next to me on top of everything else it's teaching. That's so good. So good. I love to, that you said um, you had coaches call out in you that you were a coach. Mm -hmm. Now you're a coach and you, sometimes someone needs to see our potential and call it out before we, see it or we believe in it mm -hmm. and now you get to do that for the young guys that you coach mm -hmm. so cool I want to transition and hear about you know you mentioned you grew up faith being a, a foundation um going to a Christian college tell us like what was what have been some key moments in your faith journey? Yeah. Um, I think initially a uh, key moment was being uh, raised by the family that I was in the community that I was. So uh, to my, my point earlier and, and that you just mentioned, um, I was fortunate to grow up in a home that was speaking truth into me um, from the minute that I was born now is my family perfect is my community perfect absolutely not um and even if it was would it mean that um i land in a great spot absolutely not um but i feel fortunate to have that be my foundation now it also poses other challenges um so i think i knew right from wrong uh biblically um from a very young age i think i i uh had accepted Jesus into my heart from a very young age. Uh, and I think he lived within me uh, from a very young age. Um, once I got to high school was where I think I really, uh, I think of two times in my life, two moments, if you will, where um, things changed. And I think about high school and I was a part of Young Life, which is a organization that, that operates kind of um, independent of, of the schools, but, but with the schools, um, that offers, uh, you know, the ability to get together, sing songs, mess around, you know, every, every kid's welcome, um, go to summer camp, um, go to fall camp. So it, it's an organization that's really going, Hey, everyone's welcome all walks of life. Um, but we're going to learn a little bit about this Jesus guy. You might know a ton about him, or you might not know a ton about him, but, take what you want and leave what you want. And if you're up for uh, learning more, we got people that want to get to know you and, and spend time with you and go as deep as you want. So 
I was a part of young life. Um, and in high school, I think I had, you know, I went on a few summer camps where really I, I, I had accepted Jesus, but I think I was challenged and really saw that my family, my family's acceptance of Jesus, uh, wasn't me accepting Jesus. Um, it was, I have a relationship, uh, and it's very personal and it's, it's one-on-one. So if, if my brother is friends with JT, uh, but I don't really know JT, uh, I'd be lying to go like, yeah, we're good buddies. I know the ins and outs of you, but to the average show, I might say, yeah, yeah. JT's a friend of mine thinking that I'm inheriting something that is close to me, but it's not actually mine. I don't know if that's confusing, but I would think of my relationship like that, where, yeah, I, I know things secondhand a little bit more about this Jesus guy, and and he knows me, and I know that. But um, there's probably other things that are more important, and um, and that shows up in my life. Um, so landing a part of young life, and then at some summer camps that were about a week long, where really we're having fun, but everything's removed. You know, you are uh, given a ton of time to spend thinking, being challenged. Um, to me, all of a sudden that, that was a shift in, in my mind to go, Holy smokes. This is a real, this is a real thing that I have a choice to make. And then I have, um, from that choice, this is what it, it looks like. And that's, that's up to me. Um, so I think I started taking ownership there. Now, my biggest ownership would come in college. I think my freshman year of college, again, I, I made good choices in high school. Um, on the external, I think I would look like uh, a very good kid. Um, I think I had a hard heart. I had a selfish heart. Um, I think I was making the right decisions for the wrong reasons, not necessarily because I wanted to, because I think I was afraid of uh, what perception would look like if I made the wrong ones. Um, So I was very protective of my image, which looked real nice. Um, Now, inside, I think I was aware of my image, which is selfish. So um, even in the way that I worked at sports or or did things, again, I think uh, it was a little bit of a constant battle. Like I'm working like crazy um, because I want to succeed as a team. I want to enjoy the most, you know, I want all the, those are all good things, but I also probably had a chip on my shoulder. That was, um, a selfish, uh, desire to go. Like, I don't care what anybody says about me. I'm going to be better than everyone. Um, and uh, I'm actually being fueled by, um, people telling me I'm not, or maybe whatever voice is telling me I'm not, which again, isn't, we like that fire, but we need to ask, is that fire fueled out of selfish nature or is that fire fueled out of, Hey, this is an opportunity for me to push myself and be the best that I can. And that's a super healthy way to approach that chip on your shoulder. Um, but I didn't approach it that way. Come college. I think, uh, you know, early in college, um, I was at a Christian university, had great friends. Again, I'm doing all the right things. I probably had uh, a few things where I made decisions that were not so good externally. They uh, would be things that didn't protect my super great image. And that was this opera. That was, that was the coolest thing that's happened to me was I think uh, I had this realization all of a sudden where my, um, I realized that I was, uh, chasing perfect. Um, there were, there was, there was perfect and I was chasing it and it looked this kind of way. All of a sudden I have a blip on the screen and things don't go my way. I make a bad choice and I'm, I'm blemished at that point. I I am not perfect for the first time, sort of, you know, again, that's not true, but in my eyes, um, that's how it felt like, holy smokes, I'm exposed. Um, cause JT could know that I'm not perfect now. Um, 
that was the biggest turning point for me. And, and, and the reason is the Lord took, uh, you know, stupid decisions by me um, and showed me that perfect doesn't exist. Jesus is perfect. Uh, beyond that, there, there is literally no perfect. And that's perfect. That is the way that he made it. Um, we are imperfect. So we need Jesus. Um, and that's the end of the story. Uh, you know, that that's literally the end of the story. So I had my, this, this, these blinders that were on of, um, being uh, obsessed with perfect taken off, uh, at my own deficit. But what it did was enable me to go, Holy smokes, I'm chasing something that doesn't exist. And what a burden that is to stop chasing that. Uh, or, or sorry, what a, a burden lifting off to my shoulders that is to stop chasing that. So um, now have I gone on and made perfect decisions since then? Absolutely not. Um, I am not perfect, but I'm okay with that for the first time in my life, starting in my freshman year at college. So that was where I think I really went, what is, man, the Lord's got a plan for me. The, the Lord has made me a certain way. And he's made me to need him. And so I better, I better lean on him. Um, and so again, sorry, that's a, a little bit winded, but um, that was my biggest pivot in my faith to go, man, I need the Lord. And that is awesome because it, it is a burden off my shoulders for the first time in 18 years. Cause I think I, I had been living with it, but not necessarily knowing that. And probably was a little bit symptomatic of a family that had spoken truth into me and a bunch of kids that uh, had made good decisions and uh, appeared externally um, like they're in a really good spot. Um, it's hard to allow yourself to be exposed and really be known when uh, when you're looking around and feeling like everybody else is perfect. So from there on forward, again, I think my relationship with God, but my relationship with others took a huge, um, huge strides because I, I was very comfortable being honest. And to this day, saying it how it is, saying how I am, um, is not difficult for me because I'm not embarrassed. Um, and that has done wonders for me. It did wonders for me as an athlete, did wonders for me as a friend, uh, in relationships, um, in family and, and of course, uh, in my relationship with, with God. So, um, God takes bad things and makes them really good. Um, and for me, that, that was really where my biggest pivot came now. Um, you know, whatever we're 10 years later and life's still hard and life's not perfect, but I get to wake up each day and go and accept that and feel appreciative of that. Um, which is just counter to the way I've done my life prior. Right. That's so good because there's a misconception that exists and, and we can even be tempted to take it on, but thinking like Christianity or, or having faith in God is all about being perfect. Mm -hmm. And we try and we try, but we're, we're not. But really, the opposite is true. Christianity mm -hmm. is about admitting and accepting that I'm not perfect, and I mm -hmm. need I need this Savior, and I have it in Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny, you know, in the world, Christians may have a reputation for being prideful, mm -hmm. but the truth is like it would be prideful to think I don't need Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes humility to say, man, I can try and try and try, but mm -hmm. I know I'm, I'm going to mess up again mm -hmm. and again. And so, and even you talked about like, yes, relationships with God and with others, but even your sport, you mentioned earlier, like, and I, I resonate with this. You used to live and die by your performance mm -hmm. and your success. 
And when you had a great game, you feel on top of the world. And when you have mm-hmm. a horrible game, you feel worthless. And mm-hmm. like being able to compete now and and for you to to coach and know that your value and your mm-hmm. identity doesn't depend on that mm-hmm. is so freeing. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't try hard and you don't mm-hmm. want to win. Mm-hmm. It just means, man, I can do my very best and know that my identity is bigger than this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know there are many, but if you can take one lesson that you've learned playing sports and and explain how it has impacted your life outside of sports, you know, mm-hmm. as a husband, a father, as an employee, a leader, um, what's one one thing? Yeah, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind um, – as you say, that is discipline. Um, and again, I think it was shown to me early that, um, if you work hard, you know, the result, uh, you can live with the result, right? The result, the result will come, but the real truth of it is if you work hard, you can live with the result and typically you're, you're happy with it. Um, but that's not the point. The point is that you can live with it knowing that I did all I could and then I got to let her buck. But it doesn't happen without the discipline on the front end. I think that has has um, bled over into all aspects of my life. Um, work ethic um, is, is, it goes so far beyond sports. Um, and, but for me, that's where it started. You know, that, that, that's where I saw early guys really be able to separate themselves, um, based on how hard they worked, how disciplined they were when it didn't matter necessarily. Um, and now I'm, you know, doing things far beyond sports. Um, but I look back and go, Holy smokes, I'm thankful for that because I understand that, um, where there's discipline and where there's hard work, there's fruit that you're looking to get, but you got to put in the work to get there. Um, and without sports, I don't know, I don't know exactly, uh, how I would have learned those things. Um, I'm sure I would have, but for me, that was the, uh, that was where I got them. Um, and not that, uh, you know, I wish I was bigger, faster, stronger, but the fact that I wasn't, um, now I'm appreciative of because I couldn't get away with mediocre. I couldn't get away with 75% effort. I couldn't even get away with that, with playing street basketball with, you know, you or my older brothers, because I just wasn't good enough. So I didn't have anything besides a hundred percent. Um, had I been better, I think there's more susceptibility. Uh, had I been more gifted, I think there's more susceptibility to, feel like 75% will suffice because it genuinely does um, for long periods of time in your life until everybody's worked hard and all of a sudden the chips start falling where they may. Now you turn that over into the way you do the rest of your life and and the gifts go, the, the physical gifts are gone because now we're talking about not sports. Um, you are the measure of what you put in at that point. So not having the opportunity to be okay with 75% effort um, has just bled over into the rest of my life. And um, so again, to me, that discipline that was kind of like not by choice um, early was, it was sort of my survival um, is the biggest takeaway that I have. And, and again, I even think um, relationally the same thing. Um, like I would look and go, uh, you know, we're either, we're either doing this thing or we're not. And what it looks like is getting to know each other, really spending time, um, really investing. Um, and that sort of lukewarm, like I'm here, but I'm not all the way here. Um, just 
doesn't exist so much because of what I had to do in sports growing up. So um, that's my biggest takeaway if I had to pinpoint one. If just piggybacking off of it, one of the keywords you said is invest, mm-hmm. investment. When you are invested in something, it means a whole lot more to you. And I think of you and I both know the football program that we were in. You had to show up every day for summer lifting. Mm-hmm. You know, you had two days. You had uh, conditioning at both practices. Like, there was so much investment. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think a group that on paper is undersized, under fast, under talented, mm-hmm. was able to succeed at a certain level because when when you put in all that work and the ball's in the air and it's third and ten, mm-hmm. you really, really want to catch it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen times where people aren't as invested and then those mm-hmm. big plays it's like making big plays is not just about one moment mm-hmm. it's like everything you put in up to that moment mm-hmm. makes that play and that's such a good word like your talent talent will only if you're talented mm-hmm. and you haven't worked that hard and the ball's in the air it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I might catch it. I might not. Mm-hmm. But when you've invested so much, like, it's a, a bigger deal. That's mm-hmm. a good word. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to come to a close here mm-hmm. by you finishing the statement, Dear Young Athlete, because you are on the Dear Young Athlete podcast. So mm-hmm. what do you want to say to – to your players, to a younger Nick Anderson? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good. I probably should have thought of that and had something premeditated, but what, uh, what, what comes to mind is uh, dear young athlete, uh, buy in. Buy in for your teammates um, because that's how you're going to get out what you want. Um, you know, I, we talk about that with our team right now and – um, and especially, well, the senior class all the way to the freshman classes, um, everything's bigger than you. Um, and, and life's too short to have one foot in and one foot out or one and a half foot in and a half a foot out in anything we do. So we may not put in, uh, and, and, and again, uh, dear athlete, it's not about how many hours you put in. Um, I guess that would be secondary because I think nowadays it's like people are told like you're siloing your sport and this is how you want to go pro. This is what it looks like. Uh, you don't do other sports. Um, you don't do other things. You are doing this sport all the time um, because that's what it takes. I couldn't uh, disagree more. Um, what it takes is when we're doing it, we're doing it all the way. Just like when we're doing school, we do it all the way or if we're hanging out with somebody, we're actually hanging out with them. We're not hanging out with our phone mostly, but also our friend. Um, and so that's the buy-in factor is when you show up, show up. Um, cause if you're not going to be present, it's better for everybody if you're just not there. Um, and again, uh, had I known that even more earlier, I think, uh, special moments come tighter relationships come and, um, and a satisfaction that's not about me comes significantly more. So um, if we could run it back, those are the things that I would take with me. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been an honor and a privilege to uh, hear more about your story, some of your wisdom. And uh, man, I appreciate our relationship mm-hmm. and just hope it'll continue to grow. And so thank you for your time and for blessing us with, with your words. Any, Appreciate final, it. 
any final thoughts? No, I appreciate you having me. It's an honor to, uh, yeah, to jump on with you and, and I appreciate what you do and, um, circle back with me in a few years. Cause I'm sure I'll have learned, you know, more things and, uh, and, and have, uh, learning experiences, um, that again, you just, you don't foresee, but, uh, life's crazy. So no, I appreciate you, JT. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Dear Young Athlete podcast. Make sure you check out our website linked in the description and find out how you could bring Dear Young Athlete to your team or your group. Check out our merchandise and use code all caps DYA20 and take 20% off your first order. Also, consider partnering with us on Patreon. You'll get regular discounts, you'll get exclusive content, and you'll be supporting a great movement. Wherever you're listening, make sure you follow and leave us a review. It really helps the algorithm and helps this podcast reach more people. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.